today's episode, we're going to listen to students and staff unpack what could be argued as some of the most enriching experiences that our students get to have here at BFA. The freshmen every year get to go to some World War I trenches. The sophomores get to go and experience a World War II concentration camp. The juniors get to go to Normandy and explore the beaches where the Allies invaded France. And the seniors get to enjoy a week of gallivanting down in sunny, warm Italy, traveling through Florence, Rome, and Venice. If you were a student here, these trips probably stand out as some of the best memories that you had during your time here. If you're thinking about coming here or if you're thinking about sending a student here, this is going to be a great episode for you uh, because it's going to give you an inside look into some of the blessing of being in this part of the world and what we get to explore together. So some of this information might be a bit disturbing for some listeners, especially when we get into the section about the sophomore class trip to the concentration camp. So just wanted to put that out there. Glad you guys are here. Glad you're listening in. And how about we start with the senior class trip to Rome? Okay, well, um, I'm Russ Cranes. I've been uh, at BFA for a total of about 14 years and teaching the Worldviews class to seniors for 10, um, which is a distinct pleasure and right where I wanted to be when I came back here in 2008. Over the last uh, 10 years teaching Worldviews, I think I've gone on nine Rome trips. Uh, the first year when I didn't go on one, I felt sort of lost because I teach only seniors and all my seniors were gone. Uh, so the following year I, was, I tried very hard to get that and we have since made this position one that is um, integrated with the Rome trip every year to have a consistent um, person with knowledge of the trip and knowledge of the history to mm -hmm. work through it. So our Rome trip is about um, has three goals uh, to bring the class together uh, through shared experience whether that experience is a long overnight bus ride or exploring someplace new in Italy. It's to um, give a climate for um, spiritual sharing and growth. And it also has a, has a historical piece to it because we are going to a, a very rich vein of history uh, when we explore Florence and Rome and Venice. So my role is to um, prep the kids first, um, give them a background and what's especially great about that with um, the Rome trip is its integration with the birth of the church. Uh, mm. We can look at the different Caesars and their relationship to the Gospels and the Book of Acts uh, and, and try to give that context to it. I can't guarantee the kids get all that, but I try mm. to prepare them for it. Um, ice cream it, is a very distracting thing. <laughs> what's that? Ice cream is a very distracting thing. Ice cream thing. is a very distracting <laughs> thing. Yeah, so... Uh, they, they may pay attention to that on the trip, or they may not, um, but they have great joy in the trip because uh, some will be swimming in the ocean for the first time. Some will be having Italian gelato for the first time. Uh, some of our kids grew up in Italy, and it's familiar to them, but they have a role in that of pointing out uh, the inside information about it, what it means to experience Italy without being just a tourist. Um, overall, it's, it's a great experience for me because it's a shared experience for the kids. I've seen the Pantheon nine times. I really don't need to see it again. But to be <laughs> on the trip with them and, and to come back, I think gives me credibility in their lives uh, for the balance mm. of the year, where in my courses, uh, we take them to some pretty significant um, areas of discussion. And I just feel like it's different before and after the trip for mm. me. There's, there's a credibility that I didn't have before we do uh, Florence and some of the background there, talk about the, the uh, history of it and the innovations that are key to, to Western capitalism. But of course, they're there to have gelato and, mm -hmm. and shop <laughs> in the street, mall, street uh, markets and such, and they have a, a grand time with that. Um, we then move on to Rome for the bulk of our time and go back and forth into Rome in the various sites, whether it's um, old ruins or the Vatican or uh, some of the popular tourist highlights of Rome, they get to examine them. They get to have some time on their own in groups to really explore and just have the joy of discovery together. 
Uh, and then we finished the trip with a day in Venice. In between that time, when we're back at this funky little hotel we stay at, um, they're able to walk the beach and get some swim time in and uh, share worship times and uh, just just have a have a great opportunity to get to know one another. We really encourage the kids to mix it up and get to meet kids they and and relate to kids they really haven't uh, known well in the past and. It's, it's pretty amazing that each year I see a lot of that going on. Uh, mm-hmm. People deliberately pairing up or grouping up with, with not their usual crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a rare trip where a, a lot of that has not happened. Um, and it's a great benefit. And then I, I get feedback from kids later on, even years later, of how significant that was to have discovered this one person they didn't really hang out with before, mm-hmm. but found they were quite a valuable friend afterwards. For me, the most impactful part was the times that we shared in the evenings together. So like playing games and hearing from um, classmates and doing worship together, because I felt like that was a time where everyone was all together. And you could just tell how each day everyone kind of got more vulnerable with each other and kind of felt more connected and people were just opening up. So it was really cool to see kind of a different side of people. I feel like even for me, I got to know a lot of people that I never would have um, talked to if I was at school because I never see them, or even like that I didn't even um, talk to this year or last year. So that was really cool. I uh, I was just thinking when you started talking, I think I was in your first Worldviews class. Yes, you were. And so and I'm sitting here realizing, trip. wait, Mr. Cranes didn't go on the yeah. trip. Yeah. Because that was like... That was your first year teaching worldviews, and that was my Rome trip. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're totally right. I mean, exploring like unspeakable beauty for one, mm-hmm. the rich history, doing that with your friends, and then every you know, there's two overnight bus rides involved. You're on the bus during the day, traveling to these different places, and you're like sardines. And yeah, the 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 climate is like best case scenario for building friendships mm. um and yeah i have fond memories of rome for sure yeah. Um, yeah i do i do too i had the i had the pleasure of going on the trip this year it was really fun to to see the amount of free time that the kids would have to really dig into the city um i my hope is and i know that the the purpose of the trip is is partly to change the class and really set them up for a year of both bonding as well as transitioning out have you have you seen a change as far as not just them finding maybe an extra friend that they didn't connect with but has this changed the way that the class dynamic is at the beginning of the year and then as they roll into the the later parts of the year do they come back and how how much does this carry through the academic year as a class uh, I think that changes year to year but sure. there's always there's always some leftover connection from yeah. Rome. The cruel side of that is graduation comes, yeah. mm. and we can't help but tear the class apart. Um, yeah. But for the year they're here, yeah. I think it's it's a healthy uh, building of relationship and maybe setting them up for not just the trauma of transition, but the goal of finding something mm. like that in the future. They won't find anything exactly like two overnight bus rides and free time in Rome. Yeah. It just is not going to happen again. But to have some of the sensitivity that's built with this trip to be able to try to reproduce that uh, in life after BFA, I think is important. Mm. Yeah. It's a hard trip to explain. I remember trying to explain it when I, when I went to college and it's hard to not talk about the trip without sounding snobby as far Mm -hmm. as like my senior trip where we took a week long trip Mm -hmm. to Florence, Rome and Venice. It's just, it's it's hard to to explain the bonding of that large of a student body and as well as the staff that are going on the trip where it's a long enough field trip in some respects but also it it does turn into a little bit of vacation where the staff can in some respects let their hair down and be connected with these students that when you're outside of the classroom enough that it's we're all in it together and mm-hmm. it's a it's a good time it's fun yeah it's even good with the with the unexpected changes that happen and, yeah. and watching the flexibility of both staff and students adapt to that in a way that's not discouraging or disappointing. 
we had a few glitches even this year and <laughs> the kids yes, rolled with it and the staff rolled with it yeah. and it was all good. I think one thing that a lot of us um, weren't expecting was that the leaders, you know, on, uh, honestly, sometimes we just see them as like school leaders, like Miss Warnicky. She's actually so chill, but often she gets like, she gets just put it like, oh, she's the dress code person. But actually, all those leaders were so cool. That's one thing we weren't really expecting. Another thing is that we really underestimated that having no f Wi-Fi it would be so beneficial because a 45-minute like time period, you know, if you have your phone, that goes by in five minutes, but. 45 minutes with your friends on a walk, you know, that feels like two hours. And it was just something you weren't expecting. For, for new students and for prospective students and um, people who are looking forward to Rome Trip, because it is kind of this giant Italian carrot at the end of the tunnel, um, <laughs> what, are, what are your hopes for, for them as far as ways that they can really enjoy the trip well or what what would be your encouragement as far as students coming down the line for the trip how can they really make the most out of it i think giving themselves permission to break out of their small yeah. groups and just interact with people to, to be open for that i think is hugely important uh you know i've in previous years solicited sort of video testimonials from kids who've gone on it and, and one piece of advice is it's just so disappointing to see someone go on the Rome trip and just hang with one single person or two single two people and never break out of that um, mm. it's a disappointment I think for them it's a disappointment for everybody else so yeah I would really encourage kids to to cast their net wide in terms of uh, associating with other members of their class um, in new and different ways mm. Rome trip will be fun and will be exhausting <laughs> and it's been my observation it takes we get home on a Friday in the morning and it takes till about Wednesday of the following week yeah. for them to be students again. <laughs> it just there's a little lag time and both yeah. students and faculty need to kind of understand that a little bit. Yeah, there's a little bit of Rome detox. Yeah. I love when they all come back seeing them wear their Università Venezia yeah. sweatshirts yeah. that they bought or or, you know, Rome soccer team shirts that they got. Yeah. They're just all about it. Yeah. Cool. And you know, it sets them up you know, as more than ever as as sort of specialized leaders of the school body they have done something that is the the great experience here mm -hmm. it's a rite of passage um, yeah it really is, it really is. So um, it was interesting for me at least because we never actually went to a British cemetery but we were able to see the American one and the Canadian one and also the uh, German one and just looking at them you could see one represent like the German one felt more dark and felt like the cost of war but uh, the American and Canadian one was very bright and like, very, like I would say white there was a lot of white gravestones I kind of showed you they died so we could have a better life. So it was, it was very, it was a hard thing to contemplate, but in the end, it was good for all of us to see and just think about the cost and also what what they all did so we could be where we are today. Before we went to Normandy, Mr. Michaels, um, one of the history teachers, talked about it with us and talked about D-Day and the effects it had and the whole historical background to it mm -hmm. but really it sits in your head a little bit like oh yeah that all happened but when you go there it's kind of like history yeah. comes mm -hmm. to life it's yeah. a whole new experience just seeing the beaches and then we watched a movie while we were in normandy um private ryan saving private ryan yeah i um, think so yeah. yeah i think that's what it's called yeah and it just showed a lot of the war and what actually happened there and so thinking about that and we were spending the night like 15 minutes away from the beach or not even 15 minutes yeah and just thinking about all the horrible things and death that actually happened there on that beach mm -hmm. was just like whoa we're walking like where so many people gave up yeah. their lives how do you think like how did that did you connect it how does this apply to me in my life today 
like all of these events, these historical mm -hmm. events, what effect did those have on you? I think on me personally, seeing the lives that were taken away and the fact that people were willing to risk their lives for the better of their country and to have that kind of peace kind of gave in perspective that like just every day I wake up is like another day of living that I I don't deserve but like God graciously gives to me and so being able to see that like there's so many days I just wake up and take that for granted like I don't really think about that I just kind of live my day go to school mm -hmm. say hi to people so that really gave a, that kind of perspective mm -hmm. yeah. I think so yeah. for me yeah it's not quite like Sarah for me. I mean, thinking about that, all that is just awe-striking. But for me, my parents, on the way to go to the school, to go to the um, trip, um, my parents were talking to me, and they're just mentioning really quickly how we wouldn't all be here if it wasn't for the people that gave up their lives. Um, so I was just, like, really striking. Like, I just kind of sat back and thought about that, and I was just like, wow, like, that's so true because we wouldn't have the kind of freedom that we have today if it wasn't for those people. And like Sarah, like we do take, like Sarah said, um, we do take it for granted mm -hmm. sometimes. Did you at any point think about, we live and go to school in Germany? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, the fact, like, so my grandpa was actually born on D-Day, mm. so the actual day, and I was talking to him on the phone before we came here, and he said, you would never have this type of experience if it weren't for BFA, if it weren't for living here. And thinking about that, I live like where World War II took place. I live like in this corner of the world where history happened. And thinking about that is kind of like, I've been here for so long that it seems like, oh, this is just my home. And it really it mm -hmm. is, but like thinking about the history of it too is really... Yeah. Cool. It's funny thinking about how other schools in America, they're like, oh my goodness, like we got to go to Europe, like that's so crazy. But living here, it just seems like natural life and just like, oh yeah, like we went into France for the day just to grab some groceries mm -hmm. that you can't get in Germany. So, and yeah. then in America, they're like, whoa, France? Or they'll like spend their whole life saving up to go to Europe or mm -hmm. go to places like Normandy or Paris like we did. Mm -hmm. So it's just such a blessing to be able to actually yeah. go on these trips just with our whole entire class it's really special speaking of your class did you notice like i think you guys are a pretty tight class mm -hmm. already I would say so. i've observed that yeah. over the years yeah. but how did normandy play into now coming back to school mm -hmm. back into normal life have you noticed any differences yeah for sure with a lot of the new students um it was really nice for me as a home student and having been here for the past four years to get to know a lot of the new students because I hadn't really had many of many classes with any of the new students and so coming into this trip and just being with a lot of people I wasn't normally with was really neat to get to know more people mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that mm -hmm. yeah. yeah I would agree with that I think that when you put a group of what 60 something um, high schoolers together for a weekend like the whole entire time it can either work out really well or work out really bad. And I think for our class, it really, like, shockingly worked out really well. Mm -hmm. Like, sure. yeah. not just, like, we all got closer, but there are people who would never would have talked to each other. I remember um, on the trip, someone came up to me and was like, I would have never talked to this person, and they are hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like, that just made, made my day, you know, mm -hmm. just figuring out that our class is getting so much closer mm -hmm. through these experiences like it's not only benefiting like our worldview like personally but together as a class mm -hmm. and yeah. I think it really grew us closer closer together like one of my favorite parts just in Paris this someone was playing music on the streets and the mm -hmm. whole entire class just goes and starts singing and dancing yeah. and it was it was really cool to see that that was definitely the highlight of my trip yeah. just how spontaneous it was and just how crazy we all were and just being willing to let go of our pride and not care about the rest of our class seeing us be crazy and silly and dance in the middle of the street in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> just so fun. Mm -hmm. That's You'll never forget that. No. <laughs> never. That's so awesome. Yeah. Engraved in our memories. <laughs> For sure. Wow.
Uh, my name is Isaac Michaels, and I'm a high school history teacher at BFA. I've been here for, I think, about 13 years and taught a variety of history subjects, social studies subjects. And I currently teach uh, AP Economics, AP United States History, and regular United States History. Mm-hmm. And I first started <coughs> running the Normandy trip about um, seven or eight years ago. So most of our students come from the passport countries, the United States, Canada, uh, various European countries, and all of those countries are deeply tied in with events of World War II and have Mm -hmm. been shaped by the Normandy invasion that we learn about. We spend two days on the Normandy coast um, learning about the D-Day invasion. And one thing about our students is, of course, they have... They come from a variety of backgrounds and they grow up in different places and they don't necessarily know a lot about their passport countries, uh, where their parents come mm. from or yeah. where they were born. And so I think one, one big valuable piece of the Normandy trip is that they actually get to see a part of that history and hopefully connect a little bit more with that part of who they are because you know who they are has many different aspects to it. but. Part of who they are is their passport country, and the D-Day invasions and World War II play a big part in um, conceptions of the self for for Americans, and in particular, but also um, World War II for Europeans. Mm, yeah, and so really kind of reflecting on the events of D-Day, World War II in general, and then how those events have affected the present and affected contemporary Europe, contemporary North America is really important. Mm. We also have um, a a fair number of Asian students, mostly from Korea, who um, it might seem, while they're not directly related um, to the Normandy trip with their passport country, but the Korean War, I mean, is is a major event in modern Korean history, and that's definitely shaped by the Cold War. And the Cold War was a development that um, happened out of World War II um, because the Allies invaded from the West, the Russians invaded Germany from the East and divided up Germany. So um, that created the context for these two kind of global superpowers, the um, the United States and the Soviet Union. And the Korean War was a, a big part of that. Um, Chinese students, I mean, the, the, um, the Chinese Communist Revolution was part of the... Um, wave of communism in the 20th century. So that that also played a role um, in um, in those things. Mm. And so um, mo- I'd say the majority of our students, maybe all of our students, are connected in one way or another to mm. the events of Normandy and to World War II. That's really awesome how we're not just viewing this from like a North American standpoint where we invaded the beaches and this is a thing that happened, but the broader context that you're able to draw and connect those students with, mm-hmm. this is relevant and this is important to you and your ethnic history. Um, and yeah, and how your passport country was involved in those events. That's really awesome. So is it just Normandy that you guys visit? Uh, like those specific beaches or what else does what else happens on the trip? We spend the first two days in Normandy, mm-hmm. and then the last day is in Paris, mm-hmm. um, and which is really more of a cultural, um, a cultural visit than anything historical per se. Although you know, of course, Paris is full of all sorts of interesting history. But we really kind of hit the the main tourist highlights: the Eiffel Tower, um, the Arc de Triomphe, the Louvre, uh, Notre Dame pre pre burning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of a fun a fun day. I think after the the two days is. Two days at Normandy are a little bit emotionally intense. You know, um, we're walking through cemeteries and mm-hmm. talking about death and, and meaning and, and, and things like that. And so Paris is just kind of a lighter day, um, a day to, to have a little more fun, to be able to see some see the sights and just experience life there, um, eat some good food. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a more relaxing kind of fun day for yeah. the kids. The trip overall, I mean, I think the, the running... I wouldn't say joke, but it's kind of understood like Normandy is a tough trip. Um, and it's because of all the, the travel. So you guys leave mm-hmm. like the night before. Yeah, right? we leave Thursday night. We drive through the night. And so the kids, quote unquote, sleep on the bus. And um, <laughs> then we try. <laughs> yeah. We, um, 
So then we tour the beaches all day and the beaches, the cemeteries, museums. Then at night we have some teaching programs that we run through. Then we're touring the beaches and the museums and everything again on, on a Saturday. Then um, Sunday we do, or Saturday night we do a little debrief. And then Sunday we leave for Paris. And, and yeah, on the way um, we didn't spend all day in Paris and then leave Paris that night. So it's another night of, you know, sleeping on the bus. All the way back. So, yeah, I mean, wow. you don't get much sleep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, one thing I try to impress on the students is, you know, both in my classes and on this trip, is just the importance of history for understanding our modern world. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. to understand how people think the way they do, we need to go back into their past. Mm -hmm. We need to look at the events that shaped their cultures, and then we can understand more. So um, coming to a greater understanding of how people think, I think is just a huge part of history and um, going to see the beaches um, in years past I mean we used to be able to go even talk to some veterans who were there mm. and that's pretty rare now but um, there were just a few trips where we connected with some people some some veterans who were actually there on D-Day and I think that that um, wow. just connecting with that living aspect of history people who are actually literally still alive and took part of that uh, just made the trip a lot more memorable as well. Wow. The fact that we're we're so close to these things. I mean, the beaches are 10 hours by car, let's say, and, and the other trips to the, the concentration camp and the trenches are within a couple hours. And it's it's so easy to get out there if we're intentional about it and the impact of seeing something that is very physical real example of this topic that does come up in even in the u.s where it's something that kind of a momentous thing for americans and kind of our some of our claim to fame let's mm -hmm. want to call it that um but it's it's here it's right in our doorstep and it's it's cool to be able to see and, and take advantage of yeah it's kind of funny because we go to normandy and we stay at this um campsite and so yeah right right on one of the invasion beaches of utah we stayed at a camping site and there's people, it's a big tourist area. So, you know, life goes on and people just, mm -hmm. they vacation on those beaches and they, they swim in those beaches in the summer. And that's, um, they're just walking around where this big historical event happened. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's the same when we're walking around Condor and we probably don't think that much about, I mean, there's, there's world war monuments, um, mm -hmm. that we pass or see probably every day. Um, but yeah, there's, there's always the great part about living in Europe is there's so much history that's, that's just here on your way to school, walking on the way to school. If you, if you actually think about it, if you, if you know what happened, then it, it makes a lot more sense. That was, that was the impactful thing for when I went on the trip yet last year as a staff member and having gone on it also as a student. So kind of being able to look at different things this time where we were on, um, what was a Juno beach, I guess the Canadian one. And how the guy was talking about how people would jump off of the bunkers into the water. And my first reaction was, why are they, you know, why are they climbing on the bunkers? <laughs> They're supposed to be preserving all of this. And, and the comment of they are trying to get on with real life and heal. And this is their home. It's not, you know, they're not going to necessarily preserve it out of reverence for mm -hmm. what happened. They're trying to preserve their home and their regular way of life and just enjoy the beach as a family. And that is the greatest victory they can have from that but it's kind of this it's their home it's it's mm -hmm. a real place and people live and they go to school and they have a house and that's it mm -hmm. Gibson. I teach uh, 12th grade Bible here at BFA. Uh, this is my seventh year here. Um, I've taught at a, another international school and then I taught at a public school in the U.S. Um, so this is actually my third school that I've taught at and BFA is unlike any school that I have taught at previously because of the opportunities that it offers students to reflect on the world that they live in. Mm. So in the 10th grade uh, we go to a concentration camp in France it's one of the only concentration camps in this area. Uh, it was designed as a work camp uh, originally 
they wanted to get this marble um, and this granite of uh, this certain quality, and so they just took whoever they needed uh, to do this. Mm. Um, but when you go to this place, it's amazing to me the sense of darkness that you feel. 75 years after the events have occurred, you still walk through the gates that are made of wood and barbed wire, mm. and you just feel this heaviness. And you can almost sense the misery of the hundreds of thousands of people who came through this camp. Mm. And what we try and do is just give students a perspective on these events. It's not a really a class bonding trip, although we do some things later in the trip that they can connect with each other, but it's really for them to see and not forget that these things really happened. And this is sin taking to its fullest conclusion mm. um, to go into the places where they cremated the bodies to see the tiny three foot by five foot cells that people were kept in to see the places where they were hanged and they were intentionally humiliated. Um, it just breaks your heart. It's, it was so hard to go there. And I think each student came away um, being able to reflect on the difficulties that sin brings into the world. Hmm. And when one people sets itself up as superior and tries to oppress others. This is what happens, and we've seen this throughout history, but this is, of course, one of the worst instances where we see people dehumanized, their value that God put in them taken away, and hmm. instead um, they were made to be not human. At the concentration camp, seeing the like crematory and the execution room was pretty real, um, in a sad way. There were these like small cages that they would put people in, generally like before execution or just like for harsh treatment. They were next to the jail rooms, but it was just like a small, mm. like tiny area where you couldn't like stand up. Mm. You just had to be like confined to that area. That was really weird to see because I was you know you don't think of that normally for a human and then you realize that people did that to others just like dehumanizing them mm. yeah. I wasn't aware that um, prisoners were transported um, to and from various concentration camps for certain work like for example there are some Jewish prisoners at Auschwitz that were transported to the concentration camp that we visited for the purpose of um, medical experimentation mm. What relevance does that experience and learning have on your life today? Just gives me pause to think about how I treat other people and the experiences that they've gone through. But I think it was incredibly valuable. It's some things that everybody should be aware of and be able to reflect on. And then having this experience, I think students are always going to be able to remember that. I know I do. Um, some of the rooms that you see, and because it was a combination of a work camp as well as some medical experiments and things, and mm. it's as a 15, 16 year old kid, this is not your average field trip to the zoo. This is this will indelibly mark you and remind you of what the past looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I like the perspective that you've brought because you're not a history teacher here. You're the Bible teacher. That's correct. And yeah. so did you have any conversations with students when you were there on the ground or has it kind of been processing after the trip with the sophomores? How has that, how's that been for you? Yeah. Uh, we each broke up into groups of about eight students per adult. And so we were kind of able to lead them through and answer their questions and just have discussion with them as we were there in the middle of it. And mm -hmm. they, as they were standing in the places and able to realize, because it's so sanitary and clean, um, even probably at that time, 
it was just so efficient. Hmm. I mean, you'd see these rooms where medical experiments were taking place and there's just like drains everywhere. And you're like, what are the drains? And then it hits you, oh, this is for the blood and all of the things that were happening there. And to see that awareness on their face and that kind of dawning um, and just be able to talk about the darkness of human hearts um, hmm. and how Jesus wants to redeem that um, and redeem those experiences as awful as they were. Um, yeah, that was, that was really good and powerful hmm. that we were able to do that. Yeah. I don't actually remember going as a student to the concentration camp, but I did go last year um, with the group. And one of the things that really, um, that really impacted me was just the way that they would use um, just blatantly this this me- these methods of making you feel like cattle, mm-hmm. and um, it wasn't like they were they were just imprisoning everybody and then taking them out of their cell and and doing whatever they needed to do. Um, it was actually like this mentality of like group cattle herding. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the purpose was to break down people's dignity and to dehumanize them mm. and degrade them as much as they could. Mm-hmm. And it w- it's shocking to me that there's, you know, there's maybe like 80 SS guards here mm. and that they were able to control tens of thousands of people um, simply just break down their will. It was, mm-hmm. I just felt so evil. Mm. Yeah. What about um, after the fact? So what happens directly after you visit the concentration camp? Um, so the nice thing is that it's kind of a long bus ride there. It takes a couple hours to get there. And then we ride in the bus again for an hour. So there's kind of a chance for people to sort of think about all that they have seen and process it with people. Um, and then we actually go uh, to a really nice village in France. Um, and students are able to get out and just kind of, um, I would say, like sort of cleanse um all of that darkness that they've had (laughs) and they're able to just spend time with each other and walk down the streets and see all these cute little shops and you know get ice cream and um kind of remember what life is and what it's kind of supposed to be Mm -hmm. that the goodness that god has given us Mm -hmm. and that all of life is not just this darkness and sin um, and that god is still active and at work in the world and so you cannot help but smile and feel alive when you're walking through a French village where there's flower boxes everywhere and people are mm. just sitting in cafes and it's France. So, you know, so it's gorgeous. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. The part that was fascinating to me about this was uh, I was talking to some German friends that we have and telling them that we were going to the concentration camp and asking them, trying to ask kind of gingerly mm-hmm. if, Germans do this if, if German mm. schools go and visit this and I think when we had visited I think it was a French group that was maybe yeah, there too was a French um, and he was he was cool about it and said yeah this is something we study and you know we have the the monument up the hill and, and everything in different buildings and it was funny where he was like yeah of course we study this this is part of our history we're not necessarily proud of it but this is what we study mm-hmm. and he was almost surprised that we cared about it he's like mm. this is our history you guys didn't do this. Why are you interested? But mm. I, I think it is so mm. important to have this understanding of the context that we live in and the context that we are all globally involved in variations of this, maybe not to this extent, but variations of this do continue to this day as far as people group against people group. And um, yeah. it's, a, it's a very important understanding of this is, this is very real and this can quickly go from normal people who are just doing their job to normal people who have been put in power and all of a sudden these normal people who have been put in power are doing unspeakable things to other very normal people and you have that power differential that's created and encouraged by sin and it's just yeah. it's very interesting mm-hmm. to see yeah and maybe how it, each one of us are capable in some respects of this for sure and maybe our part isn't even that we're doing these things but it's that we stay silent about them. Yeah, exactly. Because mm. there's so many conflicts going on in the world today mm-hmm. that we're either unaware of um, 
through willful ignorance or it's so far from us that we just like, oh, that's not, doesn't affect me. So Mm. I'd love to hear any of your thoughts on speaking as a parent of a BFA student or BFA students, how, um, what these experiences mean to you and the education of your children. Um, yeah. And just, and how this type of exposure, what your hopes and dreams are, how these students are exposed to these things and how they apply the spiritual and philosophical and historical things to their own lives. Like what are your hopes and dreams for them? Uh, first of all, I just want to say as a BFA parent that the staff here really loves the students and they are here for them. Um, I don't think I've ever met people out of school where they were so earnest in being involved in students' lives and wanted to really help them to grow as people. So that certainly is what my hope and dream is for students who um, would want to come here and their parents, they would feel reassured of that. But I would also hope that um, they get to see the world outside of their smaller context and to understand um, how all of the events um, that have happened in history kind of connect us to where we are today and how we can see um, God's redemptive plan kind of wind its way through all of human history in spite of uh, all of the suffering that we have caused God is somehow able to redeem those events and use them in people's lives in a way that uh, transforms them and so that's part of what we were hoping for in this trip and part of what we want for all students as they come to BFA. like a lot old like a lot more broken down than I expected and it was a lot more made out of dirt I was kind of expecting like um stone and like more built up but it had been broken down a lot more over time than I was expecting the place in between the German trenches and the French trenches I didn't know that it'd be so short I thought it'd be like a much bigger distance and it was pretty small I knew the trenches were bad, but I always thought it would just be a field with some pits dug in. But like when I saw how actually bad it was and like shell craters and barbed wire still there, I was like, this was way worse than I originally thought. Our history teacher, Mr. Olson, gave us a little bit of the background of like why the fighting was going on and what was really happening. but. The pictures and things he told us were just awful, like the stress and the reality of madness that was going on during that time was unbelievable. So we have Tony Olson here with us. Tony teaches world history here at BFA. How about you start um, just with a little synopsis of your history in this place? Yeah, so I came to BFA in 1993 as uh, residence assistant and cook at HBR, and then started teaching in 2000, and have been teaching mainly world history since then. And so sometime shortly after 2000, we started taking class trips to the trenches. And over the years, sometimes it's been grade 10, sometimes it's been the freshman. Um, For the past few years, it's been a freshman trip. They're located near Cernay, which is about 45 minutes away from us, at the top of the first range of the Vosges Mountains in France. And so if you're in Holzen and you're looking on a clear day to the west, you can see the mountain that the trenches are on. What are the trenches called? Was that area? It's the trenches themselves are called Hartmannswillerkopf. And and the French probably pronounce it very differently (laughs) than that. (laughs) I remember that trip well. Yeah, that was fun. I think it's a great trip for freshmen, especially because it's pretty remote and there's it's just kind of a big field. It doesn't look like what 
I thought as a kid what trenches were going to look like where it's all kind of nicely neat rows that's very much like a a hilltop with little holes and valleys kind of dug I'll say willy-nilly across everywhere yeah but tell us a little bit about what you like to teach the students there what happened there in that location well it's interesting that most of the trenches were further north they're on flat land kind of like what you mm-hmm. mentioned the the idea of trenches but because they were on flat land they got used for agriculture and they've disappeared over the past 100 years this area is the best preserved trenches from world war 1 because it's so remote and because they were on the top of a mountain and so when we're looking at world war 1 and you can describe what it is like to be in the trenches you can describe this is where they would run up across no man's land and such like that. But when you get up into these trenches, you can actually see, because especially the German side is so well preserved, you can stand on the firing steps, you can look across, see how far it would have been to the French front lines, and you can get a good idea of, oh, they were this small, or oh, they were Mm -hmm. this big, or whatever it Mm -hmm. is that Mm -hmm. might be different from what the kids main assumptions of trench warfare was like Mm. and so they get a good view of it they get to see something that was actually built by these people a hundred years ago and to experience a little bit of it running around getting lost in a way it is a good (laughs) freshman field trip because they Mm -hmm. can run around and get lost and yeah learn a lot of stuff in the process Mm -hmm. um we have used it when we're talking about World War I units, obviously. And interestingly enough, during World War I, this is where France invaded Germany. So although it's France today, it was Germany back then, Hmm. which also goes into what we were talking about when we talk about the unification of Germany and how they took over Alsace and the the different topics that we'd been talking up through that point. Mm So it's a good place to sort of tie it all together and become a little practical for the kids. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, it's so it's so close. It's it's right in our backyard, and it's it's so accessible. It's fun to be able to use to use that. Mm-hmm. And every now and then we have some who say, "Okay, so we did this as a field trip, where we have certain." structures and certain regulations that we don't let the kids go too far off but they'll say so mr olson can you just take us up some weekend during the summer since we're home <laughs> students and we can just go explore for hours yeah i have heard i have heard rumors and these are these are unfounded rumors in my mind of various artifacts and ordinance being found in, in years past how how much truth to that rumor is there I have personally seen a uh, a clip of bullets that were still in the clip that were found, clip of the the bullets mm. and the shells. Wow! And one student years ago found a potato masher hand grenade. No way! So it was mainly just the wooden handle and a little bit of the rusted metal stuck to it, but wow. you could tell what it had been. That's and incredible. So those are the two things. Now they have a really nice museum there, hmm. and. If I tell the kids if they find anything now, we need to bring it over to the museum. And yeah. They can put their little name on it and get oh, credit. But over the past few years, nothing nothing more has shown up. Hmm. Hmm. What else? What is a what does a trip like this do to the dynamic of the class where do you, do you see a little bit more buy-in from the kids as far as um, what they're studying? Because some, some of the kids coming in, especially freshman year, where this is maybe their first time to Europe or whatever, where World War One and trenches is something that quite a few kids in the States talk about regularly. But this is flesh and blood and dirt right, right here. Does this make them double down into their interest of history? I will say that it's often surprising to see which of the students really 
are affected by what they see. Mm -hmm. And you can have someone who maybe just sort of sits in class and listens passively and they get up there and it, that's the kid that mm -hmm. you're having to say, wait, just hold on, <laughs> don't run off down that tunnel yet mm -hmm. because they're suddenly, this is real, this is actually interesting. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of fun to see. And it's often not necessarily the ones you would expect that want to yeah, go out cool. and explore and get dirty. Yeah. Hearing and thinking about all these trips brings back so many wonderful memories from my time going through these trips. And it's been fun over these past four years to go on these trips also as a sponsor. The group of people that go along with these students and pour into them every single year is incredible. And it's such a special time for um, these staff to walk through, for many of these students, through all four years of high school and experience this beautiful area that we're in and the history that BFA is steeped in. I want to thank the following students for their contribution to this podcast. So these are all shout-outs to Yael, Marcus, Stanley, Sarah, Melody, Tate, Karis, Max, Abriel, Kiara, EJ, and Donnie. Thanks, guys, for being willing to give me a couple minutes of your time and talk with me about your experiences. We've loved hearing how you guys are growing and learning through these trips. If you have questions about these trips, or especially for alums, if you have a favorite memory from any of these trips, Send us an email at communications at bfacademy.de. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, any photos that you have from the past few decades of running these trips, especially to Rome and Normandy, would be awesome to see. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the BFA Life Podcast.